This is the Braver Podcast, episode two. Welcome to the Braver Podcast, the podcast that's focused on helping real estate business owners to transition from doing it all themselves to building a true business that creates freedom for them. Each week, we grow braver together by focusing on facing the fears and what we're avoiding to grow to the next level. If you want to hear more about building a true business, getting motivation and encouragement, leadership, spirituality, and growing braver, you found the right podcast. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. I don't know if it even at that time it ever crossed my mind that I would want to hire somebody. Um, I just thought that I would make enough money on my own and just kind of do my own thing, make my own hours and, and life would be great. Um, not, not necessarily, I think in that sense, in that moment, and I didn't think that long-term wise because, you know, success for me is always, it's a, it's an ever changing bar. And, uh, I don't want to make it seem like I set my bar low or anything. I just, mm-hmm. at that moment, I thought I could go out, make more money on my own and then start to figure out things from there. But I definitely wasn't thinking about hiring anyone. That's just a quick taste of the show today. It's so great to have Toby Ema on today. He is just now building out his business and getting ready to scale it. So we're gonna, this this episode, it's cool because we dug into what he is doing to set himself up, his business up for success in that scaling because I think so many mistakes tend to be made when, when people go from doing it themselves to building that business out without preparing their business for that growth. And so we're going to dig into that big time in this episode. So looking forward to it. Let's just jump right in and get started. All right. Today I've got Toby Ema. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast, Toby. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Yes, yeah, this is brand new. So this will be interesting. Uh, Toby's has been interviewed on, on several uh, podcasts before. And so he's got some experience with it, but I'm asking some new questions for myself. So We'll see how this plays out. I, I, I really think it's going to be beneficial for everybody listening to to see exactly where Toby is in his business, where he wants to be, and kind of what are the things that he's working on right now. What are the what are the struggles? What are the, what are the things that he's really focused on overcoming to get to that point? And um, yeah, so thanks for joining me on the show. And why don't you give a background for anybody listening about who you are and you know how you got into this whole business? Sure. Um, I wanted to say that I was a young entrepreneur, but <laughs> I guess I'm not so young anymore. Uh, just a 33-year-old guy, uh, born and raised in Dallas, Texas. Uh, husband, uh, father of two, and got into real estate like a lot of people, just you know, from curiosity and just you know, reading enough books and listening enough podcasts to to know that a bulk of the the wealth in the world was uh, made in real estate. And, just wanted to follow that trend. Uh, so I've been fortunate enough for the last three and a half, almost four years to be a full-time real estate entrepreneur and uh, just kind of been dabbling in a lot of different things, but my core focus is uh, wholesaling and, and flipping. Nice, nice. What did you start with? Did you? What was your first deal? Was that a wholesale or a flip? Uh, so first deals, I got thrown in uh, with a, a good friend of mine from, from high school that decided to just kind of take me on as an acquisition manager and show me the ropes through that. So I got thrown in on some flips, my first couple of deals. And uh, from 
there it just kind of spiraled into hey we're doing a lot of this marketing let's let's see if we can uh, uh take on some of these wholesale transactions we're, we're transacting with a lot of wholesalers and they're making some decent fees <laughs> yeah sometimes just as much as we were so kind of segued into that how long ago was that that you got started uh, that was right about three and a half, almost four years ago. Yeah. Cool, cool. So since then, what do you, what would you say, you know, roughly number of deals that, that you've done uh, all together? Probably it's well over a hundred, I would say 120 deals, nice. um, maybe 15% of those have been flips. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty cool. What, um, so how was it for you making the transition from, from being acquisitions and learning in that business to going out on your own? What was that like? Um, it was a little scary at first um, because you kind of, you, you leave the, uh, the, the arm of the father is what it felt like, you know? Um, and from my end, I wasn't exposed to a lot of the different uh, financial um, aspects of that, of, of that side. So, you know, just going off my own, you know, there's a lot of fear, obviously, with you know, supporting myself financially, uh, paying for marketing and things like that, acquiring deals, and then just taking on transactions on my own. So it was rough, um, but I you know, built up enough confidence, seen enough uh, deals and transactions that um, I felt that the timing was right. And, you know, I wasn't going to continue to grow unless I took on that challenge. Yeah. And so when you decided to do that, did you you know, have a, a plan to bring people on or were, was it just, I'm going to go ahead and do this myself and do play all the roles. How, what was that like? What was that set up for you? So just knew that I wanted a bigger slice of the transactions than what I was getting. And really just thought honestly that I could do it all on my own. I, I never really set out to have some sort of business plan or game plan or anything like that. And just, you know, thought, Hey, I'll do this uh, as a lone wolf, make a, a ton of money. And uh, that's not always the case, but yeah. <laughs> that didn't necessarily happen at first, but yeah, exactly. That's what I thought would happen. And, you know, I, I really, a lot of self-gen marketing is already kind of exposing myself to some unorthodox methods that I call marketing, you know, trying out different things to, to get as many leads as possible. And it, like it got what, to the point like, where, like, like what, what are some of those? That's like asking Dr. Pepper for it's, that's like asking Dr. Pepper for it's, it's a secret formula, man. That's like locked away in those vaults. Throw, throw us a bone. Just like, just an, an example <laughs> well, of what you're doing. I was doing some just like offbeat marketing. Like I would go to, um, assisted living centers and just make contacts with their, uh, management, things like that. I was reaching out to probate attorneys and just doing some stuff like that to just cultivate relationships and it was paying off and yeah. uh, deal flow started to to you know uh, get greater and i we were doing transactions from that and i would do stuff like that just kind of unorthodox uh, that didn't cost very much money and you know did some zillow uh, fisbos and 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 other stuff like that facebook ads cool yeah so it sounds like at least with the first ones that you mentioned things that, that most people aren't going to spend the time to really do, right? The, exactly. the sort of scary, like, I don't even know how to approach this kind of kind of thing to, to go in and meet with you know, these directors at these these uh, businesses and then attorneys too, like working with them. Yeah. But um, 
Yeah. So when, when you were making that transition and, and you were going out on your own, you, you kind of already had a little bit of marketing experience. You, you knew how to put the transactions together. What piece, was there any piece of it that you weren't very comfortable with? Um, I think just looking back at that time, um, just the whole escrow process really got me caught up. Um, I didn't really understand that. I would, you know, if I, as an acquisition manager, if I contracted something and, you know, we were deciding on our exit strategy, uh, you know, the rest of the team would handle just sending it off to escrow and, and figuring out that, you know, end of it. And then everything that went into getting a deal to close, I wasn't necessarily exposed to. I just kind of had marching orders like, hey, go get this or here's this document. Make sure they fill it out, you know, and fast forward. It's like, here's an affidavit of airship. Make sure that this is done or, you know, uh, they did a quick claim deed. We need them to, you know, we need to find the previous owner and get them to sign off on a general warranty. It's just stuff like that that I didn't really understand. And so I was very fearful that I would get a deal and potentially have to drop a deal because I didn't really understand what went on behind the scenes. So that was pretty you, daunting. How did, you, how did you work through that? Like, what was the process of YouTube University? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I uh, watched a lot of videos, did a lot of educating, um, just started going to a lot of different meetups held locally um, in the Dallas Metroplex and just kind of asking questions. And, and then I, I got, I was fortunate enough to get connected with a couple of good title companies and just, you know, asking questions through the transactions and, and them just explaining it really well, uh, explaining it so that a fourth grader could understand, uh, which I consider myself to be in a lot of respects. <laughs> so <laughs> they explained it so that I could understand and uh, I would relay that message to the, the sellers or the parties involved and was able to, to get over that. Nice. Yeah, that that's interesting because I was, I think I've been spoiled with my my title companies and my closers over the years. It's you know they've always handled all of that. Like I, I don't know, there's only a couple times where I've had to really get involved. You know, it's basically once it goes to them, and then they or their assistants will will get the affidavits of ship signed. They will contact people in prison. They will do all kinds of stuff. It was, it was oh my, I feel like my whole life has been a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've I got thrown into the wolves then because I've done transactions where. I've had to reach out through uh, to people that were in prison. I've set up, I don't know if you, well, you probably don't know what this is. You've never dealt with it, but there's these things called JPay accounts where like I put money on prisoners books so that they could have money to mail me stuff. And so we could have some sort of oh, man, conversation yeah. about, you know, getting stuff notarized. I've, you know, talked to uh, jails and prisons have these things called law libraries where they can kind of, you know, get mail and receive mail and things. I, I've gone through all of that and, that was always, I was always under the understanding that that was your role, you know, as an investor to kind of hold the hand of the seller and make sure that this thing gets to get, gets to the finish line and title just was, you know, with all due respect, just kind of, you know, rubber stamping and making sure everything was in order. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious. I'm curious as to what other people have experienced with that now. Yeah, me too. You know, like if that's <laughs> common to, you know, I imagine it's one of those things like a contractor, maybe for a, for a new investor that's doing a flip and a contractor saying, hey, you might go into Home Depot and picking up these materials. And it's like, well, no, I mean, or yes, I do mind. I'm not going to go. Like, why don't you? Yeah. That's a part of, you know, what I expect you to do because I'm going to do higher dollar stuff. And then title companies, you know, maybe asking or saying, but that, that's interesting. Yeah, I wonder if uh, maybe I just got super, super lucky and, and most people don't have that 
thing where where they're doing all that legwork. But um, and maybe it comes with with a lot of volume too. But maybe that's something to ask who you're using now. So yeah, but, definitely. You're like, who told you that? No, that's not. <laughs> I'm gonna start charging you more for escrow fees. Yeah. <laughs> but um, great, man. So, where are you taking your business now? I mean, what's your vision for your business? Let's say, like three years. Do you have one? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm at a point right now where, um, when I'm journaling, when I'm I'm in my deep thought and just you know reflecting on my business, I'm, I'm my main focus now is just how do I scale this thing. You know, how do I uh, get it to a point to where, and it's, it's been serving me very well, but how can it be of more service to myself and my legacy and my, my family and, and all those, those things that we think about as entrepreneurs. And uh, right now I, I feel like I'm in a high paying position um, and I'm just working for the business and not on the business. So uh, the next couple of years, I'd like the business to just, you know, produce for me i'd like to start scaling um and you know dive deeper in my market hire out uh, a few and just keep the uh the the culture clean and just tight um in the respect that um you know just profit first very lean and just uh you know grow this thing to the point to where it needs to be i know don talks about like the hockey stick and kind of the point of like diminishing returns. And that's kind of how I look at the business. Um, I know that eventually I'll find a sweet spot, uh, which is hard as an entrepreneur, because we, we want to, you know, be the next Elon Musk and, and generate billions of dollars. And it's hard for me to cap myself. But I think for just this particular business, um, I want to reach a sweet spot to where I can free myself up to do the other things that have uh, been catching my, my eye over the last couple of years. Cool. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And you mentioned Don, and so if for anybody listening, that's Don Costa, a mutual friend of ours. Yeah. Which is how we we got connected, and uh, yeah, super great guy, and and doing lots of cool stuff. So if you're you're talking with him, you're you're talking with good company. But um, yeah, and especially to do what you're you're wanting to do with with your business. Do you have? Well, actually, I'm going to ask a couple things because I want to go back. To, I I like that you said that you like while you're journaling, right? So. I like to hear about people's processes for that kind of stuff of, of making order out of all the, the ideas that we have. And, uh, you know, so what, what is your journaling process just when you're trying to plan or do you have a set where every morning you do? Yeah. So I've got, uh, two different sets. So I've got my, uh, let's try to have nice handwriting set, <laughs> which is like planning out my day. It, it looks pretty similar to my Google calendar and I set, you know, just different goals, uh, short term, long term, those kind of things, weekly, all of that good stuff. And then I've got my, uh, let's just the, the, the Jekyll and Hyde, you know, the, 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 the evil me, so to speak, where just handwriting doesn't matter. You know, I could probably write it in blood if, if I had a cut. That's, that's probably too dark. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, no, but uh, I have that word. That's, that's the one I really like because that's just, you know, everything that's in my head. And I try to just compress it to three things. And then I try to bring it down to like maybe one or two action items that I need to just take care of immediately to get me to whatever those other goals are and just really focus on those just to, to kind of have that organized chaos. And those are the ones that I, I go back on and reflect on, you know, maybe once a month or so, I'll you know, 
look at it before I go to bed and just read some of the crazy things that I wrote down or some of the common theme things that I wrote down that have just been nagging at me over and over. Man, that's awesome. And, and talking about you could write it in blood. And I guess what I imagine what you mean by that, and correct me if I'm wrong, is just that it's unfiltered, right? You're just, yeah. you're just putting, you're getting it out so that you can make sense of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So yeah our minds are always sense. just racing with crazy things in it. Yeah. Is that, do you feel like that gets you to the point where you're kind of realizing what you know, where, where some of these thoughts are racing because it's symptomatic of, a, of an issue of, of something that you need to deal with? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. So when I narrow it down to those top three, it's all, you know, just the, it's, I compress it down. I compress all these crazy thoughts that I'm having about whatever, or just this, the stuff that just keeps nagging at me into two or three things. And then I, I just write out action items to start accomplishing those two or three things. And right now, a uh, common theme for me is I write down um, profitability and scaling. Uh, and so I, I'm always constantly writing down action items, you know, every day. What can I do to be more profitable? And what can I do uh, to ensure that the business starts serving me and uh, is scalable? Um, so uh, just going back to Don, our most recent conversations are just honing in on my personal metrics so that, you know, I can't hire somebody if I don't have my own metrics in place and things like that. So making sure that I understand the internal metrics of different aspects of the business, uh, key performance indicators and, and things like that. So I've been doing a lot of tracking lately um, and just you know going back through a lot of my data and, and creating different uh, systems and processes. I'm not sure if you're familiar with like Loom, uh, but it's like a, uh, you can record videos and save them and archive them in different folders. So I've got a bunch of those that I've been making nightly, just trying to make sure that I'm, I'm setting myself up for success as I scale. Nice, man. Yeah. So that's, so you're getting into the answer of the second question that I had was like, what are the, the things that you're doing to set yourself up to do that? But I, I love the fact that you were saying that when you do your journaling, you're hitting on those things that, that you know are the things that you need to focus on. Cause you could focus on, or, or come up and think about probably 50 different things that you can do oh, yeah. in your business, yeah. if not more, right? Yeah. And it's like, I'm, you're bringing yourself back into the focus of where you need to be right now and not worrying about so much the rest of it, right? So oh, that's yeah. really cool. That's interesting. I like that. Yeah, my, uh, my journal gets pretty wild. You know, I'll, I'll go through one through 50 sometimes and it's literally like, fly a kite tomorrow. It's like, all right, that's not going to make you more profitable. But, you know, as entrepreneurs, but I mean, I just tell myself, look, just write down everything that's on your mind. I mean, yeah. there's one in there recently, I've, I've been telling myself that I'm going to take up golf. And I had to completely just suppress that. I'm just like, look, that does not fall in the lines of being more profitable. I don't care what excuse you make, like, that's not going to get you to profitability. So that's not going to make the list. So there's a lot of checks and balances that go on in these crazy minds of ours as entrepreneurs and you have to have that uh, to really stay focused a lot of us have trouble staying focused um, but uh, not to say that you have to be laser focused but you just have to in my mind just be big picture focused and just really hone in on the things that are going to get you uh, stability or to the next level yeah and that, I think that's the key right stability because if you're talking about bringing people on what do you need you need stability yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like a... the greatest fear is what we have of hiring is we we don't at least for me it's like i don't want to bring somebody into some 
you know, crap show and, you know, into some chaos. Like I, I want them to be in a stable environment that, you know, allows them to provide for their families and for their legacies and for their dreams and things like that. So I take all that stuff into consideration. I'm like, man, I got to get my crap together. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, so where you came from when you were working as an acquisitions manager or, you know, whatever the position title was, did y'all have those processes and stuff that you operated from, or was it kind of just like, Hey, you, you learn this and just go do it. Uh, no, it was just, it was the wild west. I mean, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know what, the, you know what to avoid then. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, that's how a lot of people's businesses are. You know, I talked to my accountant and he's just like, you know, man, you're, you're in a good spot. I see a lot because I'm so hard on myself and, it's like, yeah, I mean, most people are still commingling funds and doing these like very basic things that you think, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't do that. But as entrepreneurs, I mean, we're so stressed out and bombarded a lot of times with different things that we need to handle that, you know, the basics, uh, what we think like now I'm talking you know, to you about the, the basics to scaling and developing a, a business that has operating procedures and things like that it makes sense. But when you're running a business and you're just trying to you know, survive or do every aspect of it. Sometimes those things are just neglected. So, yeah. So uh, how, how do you feel about that then now when you're having to take time to do something that's not immediately going to bring you more revenue and setting up your processes and doing that stuff? What is that like for you? I mean, are you finding that you're avoiding all that a lot of times? It's, you to it's tough. It's tough. I'm going to keep going back to Don because I love him, uh, but he equates it to drinking bleach. Uh, especially for my personality type, uh, I'm a gunslinger. I like to just go out and make stuff happen, you know, make deals happen. And to get somebody like this, I mean, to sit down and focus on numbers is like, for me, it's like watching paint dry. But, you know, again, going back to Don, Don talks about like, you know, the dangling carrot in front of you and he's dangling a bunch of cash. And if you can get those things worked out, then you can be more profitable. So, you know, hearing that, it's like, okay, that makes sense because I've always told myself I will do whatever it takes to make sure that I make an honest dollar. Uh, and that falls in line with that as, as difficult as that is for a lot of us as entrepreneurs to sit down and kind of face the music and do that. And the beauty of it is if, if you've got the cash and uh, it's sustainable, I mean, you can outsource a lot of that stuff too. Uh, but for me in particular, I've just been working on doing it myself. I really want to understand it and uh, just make sure that I have a good pulse on the business. Cool. So what, what are you doing to do that? What, are, what is your process right now in figuring out what your, your numbers are? How are you measuring those? Yeah. Like, um, so I'm blocking out about an hour or two every day and I'm just, uh, I've got some basic Excel spreadsheets that I've created, uh, different categories that I really want to focus on um, different uh, KPIs and things like that. And just, jotting them down, going back in from a lot of the, the software and data that uh, luckily a lot of the systems I use uh, stores, a lot of that information. So just going back and taking and pulling from one area and, and jotting it down there so that I can see it in one nice, uh, somewhat clean format. Um, and just, uh, you know, doing that consistently and researching some other things that other people are doing and uh, just, yeah, um, trying to create the, the bigger picture uh, uh, condensed view. And I think a lot of times in entrepreneurs, we just look at everything from an aerial view 
mm-hmm. and uh, just you know, from other business ventures that I've had that weren't as successful as this, I've, I've learned that that just doesn't cut it, you know, because it's when, you know, you can have money going in and out of your account and not be making any money. And, uh, you know, this, this kind of stuff is what really gets you uh, focused on the pulse and you, you can really put your finger on things. And I equate it to, I'm a car guy, so I, I equate it to like, you know, uh, building a car from scratch and then, you know, running that car. Uh, if you were just given that car and you didn't really know much about the car, you didn't research the car and something went wrong and you were tasked with fixing it, you really wouldn't know what to do. But if you did your research, you made sure that you knew just about, you know, not everything, but most of the stuff, right? Then you could probably fix a lot of the things or know who to go to if you couldn't. Um, and, you know, right now with a lot of the bad habits that I've developed with not focusing on, on that kind of stuff, I, it's almost like I'm running my car on milk instead of gasoline, right? Um, so I just, um, I'm really focusing on making sure that I'm feeding the beast with the correct things and that I have a good grasp of the internals of the beast so that I can pinpoint any problems and run diagnostics and know how to fix it or how to improve it for that matter as well. Yeah, that's awesome. It's setting up the the machine, yeah. right? You know, setting up the machine and then and then you're just kind of tinkering with the machine, optimizing yeah. it, making it efficient, souping it up, you know, getting it to where it's it's operating in, a, in an awesome way. And, and it sounds like you, were a lot like I was in, in, in the initial part of the business of just like, I just want to get more money out into marketing. So I'd get more deals, make more money. And that was the extent of the thought process. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, what kind of harebrained scheme can I come up with now to get another deal or to do something that other investors aren't doing? But at some point, you know, it, it's very inefficient. It's very inefficient because you're not getting dialed in to you know those things that are going to be your bread and butter to bring your deals in that are, are are providing that stability that consistency right yeah um yeah and, and i think yeah just and how do you do that you have to start taking measurements i'm curious yeah. when when you say you're putting it together in one sheet and then you're using that to, to figure out what needs to be adjusted what is the actual view of it right so you have you have rows that are representing the different key performance indicators, the numbers that you're putting in, what are the columns? Sure, like um, just to give a couple, like, so I do, uh, we run a lot of uh, different marketing campaigns. So we do some cold calling. Uh, so I've got four uh, VAs, virtual assistants, uh, two of them are based in the Philippines and the other two are local um, and they do cold calling. So uh, that's a lot of our marketing and, and deal sourcing. So uh, some of the numbers that I have to track correlate to that and the performance of those campaigns. Uh, so I need to see those real time so that I know that I'm not just waiting, wasting marketing dollars for that day or for that month or for that campaign, so on and so forth. So I'm tracking different lists that we're putting into marketing. I'm tracking uh, uh, dials, I'm tracking um, live calls, uh, live calls to lead uh, and, and different things like that, which just saying this right now, it sounds like why weren't, why was who wouldn't track that, right? Like who wouldn't want to know how many live calls it takes to get to a lead. Uh, but honestly, like, like you said, when you're in that mode where you just think that you need to just focus on uh, spending money on marketing and getting the deals, uh, you're not really thinking like that, but hopefully 
someone listening to this will get that takeaway from, you know, two gentlemen that have been there, one that's probably a uh, hundred thousand times more successful than the other, i.e. Danny, um, <laughs> that it is, it is extremely important. I mean, you, you, there is a such thing as wasted marketing dollars. I mean, I, I, I've been known to literally skip trace the same list multiple times because I wasn't tracking, you know, uh, how often I was skip tracing that list or how often I needed to recycle that list. And those are all things that I'm looking at now, just, you know, routing off some stuff, like looking at recycle rates and just from doing that in the past, uh, couple of weeks or so, like I've, our lead flow is just starting to just go up incrementally. Um, it's, it's doubled over the last week and I'm using some of the same data that I've had parked but because I'm developing different sequences from the, the metrics and the, the KPIs that I'm looking at, it's like, all right, things are starting to click. And I'm still, I still have a lot to work through. I'm not, you know, saying this like everything's just perfect now and I can just go on to becoming the next Elon Musk, uh, but I still have a lot of stuff to sort through, but just from the, the small different, the, the, the things that I have been tracking and putting into the spreadsheet and those different rows that I've been adding pretty much daily or, or changing daily, some of them become redundant. Um, and changing daily, uh, I've seen so much success. Wow, that's really cool to hear because, I mean, you even said within one week, like there's changes within one yeah. week because as you're getting things dialed in and, you know, it sounds like, it's no more a, a black box. You're putting money in and you're getting a certain amount out, but you have no idea what happened inside of that. Yeah. Right? So yeah, there's I, no I, way to know like what, what's going on. But when you're looking at those numbers and you're starting to see patterns, right? You're starting to see what what's is causing a lower response rate or a lower uh, live call rate or whatever, you know? Exactly. And it's, it's, it's for a, a person that doesn't consider themselves to be a numbers person like it's pretty cool to see that stuff I never thought that it would be this interesting but I see it I'm like oh cool you know like uh, I'm, I'm watching real-time call data I'm like all right they've got to that 111 live call and then boom I get an email alert and there's a lead it's like oh that's pretty nifty <laughs> yeah that's cool <laughs> so yeah, they're operating at a, oh, how, yeah. how many how many typically are dialed before you get one right yeah yeah exactly yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, you can see when things start to trail off or maybe if you've got a bad list then you know it right away because it doesn't match what you got from something else. Exactly, yeah, I'm looking at the contact rate. I'm like, no, that's not matching our average of, uh, I think it's like, it's pretty low because I'm in DFW, but it's like three to 4% you know, contact rate. I'm like, okay, something's wrong with this list. You know, the data's not good, the skip tracing's not good. But again, like, you're not gonna know these things if you're not tracking them. I'm speaking to myself. Preaching to the choir on this one, because yeah, uh, yeah. Don wanted to literally slap me <laughs> because I, I fought him <laughs> on this. <laughs> yeah, it's what's well, but I think that's typical, right? Because it's like one of those pushback things of man, like I just don't want to do it. I don't want. That's not how I'm made. I don't want to spend the time doing that stuff. I want to get out there yeah. and make stuff happen. Yeah, but it exactly. is making stuff happen just in a different way, and uh, it still takes some willpower, though, right? I mean. Oh yeah. It's fun looking yeah. at it, but compiling it is not fun. No, not so fun. And I, I, um, it, it's been a task, but you know, the end result is sweet. And I know that just from the things that I've seen so far that it's going to be good. And I'm just, I, I told myself, I'm not going to bring anyone on until I know these numbers and then I can create a bunch of loom videos and things like that. And then hire, or maybe task one of my virtual assistants to start 
tracking that um, data and then just send it to me in an email report very compressed once i figure out like i said there's a lot of stuff that i'm putting in i'm just like i probably shouldn't have that because basically that equals that so i'm doing a lot of that now and going through it and kind of finding the sweet spot for me and the business and then I'm going to email Don or actually I'm going to text him pretty soon because he was going to send me some stuff that he thinks I should really focus on. Um, so, yeah. Cool. Do you ever look at like when you, I was asking about columns and rows of, of spreadsheets with the data. Sure. I mean, do you put it in a way also sometimes where you can see it like week over week where you're seeing the trending? Um, no, I am not that detailed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the guy that puts the, the header in there or the, the lead column and, you know, puts it in bold and that's it. Like I don't do the colors. I don't do the, the different uh, uh, scale columns with you know, white, grayscale, blah, blah, blah. Like I, yeah. I just do it very basic and then do a lot of napkin stuff. And then I know my limits. <laughs> so that's past my limits. And then I can, I've gotten better. It's been very difficult for me um, just with my personality to teach. And so with the Loom videos and things like that, I've gotten better and I've been fortunate to, to have different VAs that I've hired that just get what I'm trying to put out. So I've been working on having better communication skills. I think that's difficult for a lot of us entrepreneurs to, to learn how to communicate um, what we want done or expectations. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times I've always told myself, I don't know if I can even teach this. You know, it's like, okay, well now I'll just create a video. I'll yep. really focus in and I'll just make sure that I explain it so that a fourth grader or anyone can understand and I'm not going to skip a step. It's just because I understand it doesn't mean the next person will. And so with this, I just, I'm doing as much as I'm mentally capable of doing and then yeah. handing it off to somebody that will actually Smart. love to do Smart. that. Yeah. Now I want to talk to you more about it. I'd like to give, get you, a, this is a little bit of a plug, but I'd like to give you a demo of Forefront CRM because that's like, we're building that in a way well, it's already built actually to do this, but we're, we're doing even more to improve it because I love the whole numbers part of all of it. But okay. where it's pulling those numbers in for you from all your data in the system and really? then you week over week what it is. And then after doing that. Like through you know, APIs or how does that work? Yeah, the KPIs. And it, it just because you're putting in for each lead, you're putting in the different things that make up those numbers, like an appointment was created, an offer was made, it knows all that so it can put like how many. But after doing that, you have that view, which is important because it's showing you week over week, you know, the trends, right? This many leads in per campaign, each campaign, all that kind of stuff. And then how many appointments, how many offers. But if you do that, though, you're looking at how many. So you could have a slow week on leads. And you could have appointments and offers that are higher than that because they were from leads the week before. So you get a certain idea of what's happening through that view, but then you also need the view of the funnel of, of these leads that came in, what happened to just those leads, even if it was like a month later, right? The, the appointments and the deals and all that kind of stuff. So have that funnel view is another way to look at it, but I can show you in a, in a demo just to show you like what we're going yeah, yeah, definitely. input Love on what you're that. tracking to see yeah, yeah, if we yeah. can add that. Definitely. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, Let's talk about the the hiring of the VAs. I'm really interested in that because when we had a phone call yesterday, you know, you had said that I'm I'm building things up, I'm getting the business set up to bring on some people, but I've already got some VAs, and I think that's awesome because it's a good start in working with people, 
uh, for anybody like myself that got into this business without any prior business experience. And, uh, and that, I think that kept me from like hiring people. Cause I was like, I don't know how to manage people. Like I'm not manageable. And I imagine everybody else is not managed. It's not good. So how did you transition into getting VAs and what were they, you know, doing in your business and doing, are they doing now? Yeah, sure. Um, so I did not like cold calling or marketing and I liked a lot of the under orthodox stuff that we talked about because those like typically were yielding um, pretty quick results. Um, so the conversion rate on those kind of leads were pretty quick. And I like that obviously, because that typically meant that a payday was coming. <laughs> uh, but with cold calling, as we know, you know, that can be pretty draining. And I just didn't want to do that. And I knew that if I continued to do that, that I wasn't going to love or be attracted to this business. So I need, I knew that I needed to outsource that immediately and have somebody who's just dedicated. And I was very sporadic with that time block. And I mean, you could tell me like, let's go get a donut and I would leave, right? Like anything would take me away from that. Like literally like you could force me to watch a TV show that I could care less about. And anything was better than cold calling. Going to the dentist was better. I hear you, man. Um, so I just needed to outsource that as immediate, immediately as uh, possible. And I just started looking through different sources, upwork.com. I, I even posted some ads on Indeed and landed on Upwork, uh, posted a few profile ads. Um, wasn't the greatest in the hiring process, interviewed a few people and just said, all right, sounds good. You can do the job. And I, that is definitely not the way to hire, but it worked. I have two VAs that have been with me for uh, almost a couple of years. The other ones have been wow, with me nice. for about a, a year. So yeah, I was just fortunate enough that I found people that were already in um, that line of work and had worked with investors and things like that. And so just got lucky. Um, I probably should do a little more due diligence, but it was literally, I sent over some recordings, a basic resume, and you know we kind of negotiated salary and that was it. And we were in nice. And then, so yeah, it was, uh, it was tough. Uh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I just imagine that, you know, now with, with enough investors having used, um, you know, VAs for a long time as it being something, you know, that a lot of us have, have, uh, leveraged that, that we can find people that have already worked for other investors. Right. I mean, it, yeah. did the people that, that are working with you, they've already worked with other investors. Yeah. And one of the, the things that I really started to um, focus on was just the fact that they had worked with other investors and that they ended up with me. So there was a disconnect somewhere, right? Because if they're talented, I, would, I kept asking myself, well, why are they working with me? And what I noticed is that a lot of other investors kind of do their marketing on and off, right? They, they start cold calling and then the campaign's not working or they don't want to spend any more money. And then they would fire these VAs. So I told myself, like, look, these I'm playing with people's lives here. Like, I want to make sure that um, I start building some sort of culture. So I've been working on that. That's three years in the making. But like, I'm trying to develop a culture. Trying, like, I, I, I say VAs because we've kind of coined that phrase in the industry. But I look at them as team members, and I try to call them, you know, team members as often as possible. Not that like a VA is like a derogatory term or something, but it kind of has this connotation like disposable or this meaning like it's disposable. Um, so um, that was the take that I started taking on it. When I initially hired, it was just like, yeah, yeah, get them in, you know, and then if I don't need them, get them out. But then when I, I started to realize how um, 
big a part of the business and my success they were when I started bringing in good leads and I started closing those leads and deals. I really started to just focus on the people aspect. Like, wow, these are my people. Like, we're a family, we're a team, we're a high octane sports team. You know, we're, we're built for performance. Um, and, you know, they wanted the greater good just as much as I did. They would, you know, say, hey, sorry, we didn't get that many leads this week. Hopefully we can get you some more transactions to close and things like that. So I just wanted to throw that out there so that- No, that's huge know, and I'm glad you knows. That That's yeah. one of those points that gets skipped, I think a lot of times, right? People like VA and then the conversation moves on. But you, I mean, you, you're building what you want to build as a great team yeah. working together because nobody wants to be a part of something where they feel like they're just get that done and then that's it. Yeah. You know, you don't mean nothing more than getting that done for me. You know, it's, yeah. it's yeah. like a bigger thing. How do you guys communicate? What's the. Uh, so we use uh, Slack and then sometimes Skype. Um, that's where we initially started talking. So sometimes they'll get to have a message of me on Skype, but I have Slack and Skype. Um, mainly there's not too much communication that goes on other than, you know, Hey, I'm logging in. Hey, I'm logging out. Hey, I'm taking a break and things like that. And then we, you know, we try to just chop it up as much as, I mean, within reason, right. I'm, I'm busy. So I'm not going to sit there and have full fledged conversations when they're off their shift, but I try to give them that respect. Like, Hey, how's your family doing? And, and things like that. Um, but real time communication is, is done. It's automated. I mean, if they get a lead, I'm getting an email alert. It's going into our podio uh, CRM and things like that. And that's pretty much it. They're putting their notes in there and um, that's their communication. It's kind of a one way communication there, but they're not, you know, telling me, Hey, we got this lead. This is what they said. It's just, you know, a cut and dry email sent and then I review it. If there's any, uh, and there's typically they take such great notes. There's usually no like uh, need for me to reach out and say, Hey, what's going on here? What's this about? It's just, here's a notes, make the call. Um, and, and see how we can help that potential uh, seller. Wow. So they're doing, you did the cold calling yourself for a while first to kind of yes. know. I was a mojo dialer. <laughs> yeah. For, for how long do you think? Oh, man. So I started doing that when I was uh, working as an acquisition manager. And that was the part of the job that I absolutely loathed. I hated it so much. I hated hopping off the dialer. <laughs> And, uh, but that's cool that so, you did it before you hired for it because then you knew right yeah 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 exactly uh, but i hated it so i did that and then when i did it on my own i did it for probably in total as an acquisition manager and then on my own i probably did it for a solid year so so not like oh, yeah. not terribly long but long enough to know that i didn't like it and again whoever's listening or, or viewing this if you love it great if you don't you still got to do it hopefully you know if you can afford to outsource it and outsource it but if not, you know, it's, it stinks, but it still has to be done. So yeah. get it done. <laughs> and I'd imagine the investors hiring the VAs to do it before they've really done it with sincerity. Yeah. Themselves first, you know, is, is a recipe, you know, setting people up for failure because you don't know what to expect at all. So you don't know if what they're doing is good or bad. Exactly. Call calling, I would imagine if you haven't experienced it yourself, you, it, the numbers would look bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's not you know, you're cold calling people to sell a house. I mean, that's a, yeah. it's, it's not a thing. A lot of people are looking to get a call for. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's cool. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's move on a little bit. I wanted to get into some of the questions 
uh, for this podcast that I want to start asking the guest and I want to see how sure. um, share what you want to share and, you know, be as open as you want to be and, and sure. all that kind of good stuff. But is there anything that you feel like you're avoiding right now in your so, transition? Um, geez. <laughs> uh, definitely, man, I can get myself in some trouble here. <laughs> yeah, there's a few things that I'm avoiding. Um, and there's some prop, there's a profitability aspect that I'm probably avoiding, not probably that I'm definitely avoiding, um, that I need to tweak and, um, in order to scale. Um, but I've, I'm currently, I have a, I'm, I'm going to be as vague as possible so that I don't get in trouble, but, but hopefully get the idea. I'm in a system right now that I have where it's pretty cut and dry. Um, I, I, I like to take the path of least resistance a lot of times. And sometimes, you know, that's good, but sometimes that's bad because, you know, you might miss out on some opportunities that maybe take a little more effort to get going or, uh, to, to make sustainable long-term. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at on the, uh, dispo side. Um, I've got entities that I sent a lot of my deals to and, um, it, it, it works, but you know, with that, I'm probably missing out on profitability in, in different senses, but we'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay. No, cool. No, it's, it's good. Jeez, Danny, golly, the first date. <laughs> No, the fact that you 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 already kind of knew, you know what I mean. That that's yeah. what that's what I I want to see. You know, that's what I want to you know look at. And I guess why I don't know if this is like I said, this is the first time I've asked people these questions. Sure, so how this goes, but that's you, a good question. I'm just giving you a hard time. Why do you think that that uh, you are avoiding? I mean, what do you have? Do you think you have some some beliefs around it that you're still kind of grappling with? Definitely, um, I've never. I just don't like the dispo side and that's one of the sides that I need. I mean, it's hard in my mind um, and this, I'm going to be speaking out of fear here, but it's, for me, it's been hard enough, you know, dealing with the seller. And then like we talked about earlier, having to go through the transaction coordinating aspect, making sure that the documents are signed, making sure that you're you know, in contact with somebody halfway across the country and that they understand that they're not going to get any proceeds from the transaction, but they need to sign this document, you know, things like that. It's like, it's hard enough to, to deal with that and then having to go deal with a bunch of buyers, you know, unless I'm the end buyer, then it's, it's a, it's a no brainer. It's usually pretty smooth. Um, and I, I usually only close on transactions with pretty clean titles. I deal with that enough, but, um, unless I'm the end buyer, then it's smooth. But outside of that, it's just been, it's one of those things where I'm just like, I don't want to deal with that at this point. I've got enough moving parts going on to add that aspect of it and kind of do the full cycle of the deal outside mm. of the prospecting for the most part. It just seems like uh, it just it, it's, it hasn't been very attractive for me. So uh, definitely. Yeah. It's good that you're looking at those things. And it sounds like from my perspective of our, just from our conversation here, you know, you're, you're wanting to put more of your effort into the things that are going to invest in this business to, to really grow a lot. You know, did I cut out a little bit? Yeah, you cut out a little bit. Okay. Yeah. What, from my perspective in this episode and in our talk so far, it's, it seems to me, and I could be wrong and tell me if I am, but 
but that you're putting your focus in the things that are going to be investments in the business to make it really grow. And so you have to, you know, you only got so much time in the day, right? And so if you're trying to save a little money here, make a little money, save a little money, same kind of thing, right? But but yeah. doing this other stuff, and maybe you know, there's a reason why. But anyway, that exactly. sounds like your 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 focus is in the right direction for sure. You know, like from from the beginning of our conversation. Um, let me see what else do I have here. Yeah, you know, maybe even I don't know if you this is something that that would make sense in the situation. But the next thing was what's something that you can do as a stretch to move towards working through what you're avoiding. Like, is there some action that you can take? I'm not going to hold you to yeah. it. But I mean, no, 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 definitely. Um, I like that. Uh, hire out. Um, I, uh, I've, I've had this conversation a couple times with Don, and he said, you know, once you reach that point, obviously, I got to get the numbers and all that other stuff ironed out first. Uh, the KPIs and all the tracking and have a good pulse on things, but hire out uh, for those things, right? Uh, so that's, um, that's definitely a stretch goal uh, for me. And I think it is for a lot of entrepreneurs. Hiring is just, yeah, it's, uh, it's a difficult thing for a lot of people, uh, including myself. Um, it's, it's hard to get over those uh, fears of entrusting somebody to do something that you feel that you do so well. <laughs> And that no one else in the world could ever match that that quality level but that yeah that's yeah that, that had to be slapped out of me for a long for several years before i finally understood that that wasn't yeah what was your uh, what was your first hire my first hire it was for acquisitions, acquisitions. yeah acquisitions and, and my training was basically just come with me and see what i do and, and then like, and I think even some of those initial times, I remember this one time, uh, you know, where I was doing that shadow me on this, the seller appointment. And it was like one of those moments where it's like, you think you're such a, like a great acquisitions person. And then you know somebody sees it and tells you something you're like, oh yeah, you're right. Like that was horrible. <laughs> that was, I think the, the thing was like, we went through this house and we talked to the seller just briefly and then like I went and made the offer. They said, well, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. And I was like, all right, bye. Thanks. <laughs> like there's not any more negotiation. Yeah, that's how it's done. Usually there is, but today I just didn't feel like it. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's crazy. Just point out some stuff where you think, you know, it's kind of like, like as a kid for me playing basketball, like I think the, some move looked all cool, but you know, in reality, it did not look cool. Yeah, <laughs> I got you there. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, that's it's uh, but that's cool. Yeah, if you you make that stretch to uh, to do that kind of thing, what what kind of things are you considering with that? Is there a way to bring somebody that's not full time into something to kind of test the waters? Yeah, uh, I kind of tossed up that, and um, I've talked to um, the Godfather, Don, about that. <laughs> as well and he talked about you know bringing on some full-time or even a ba um, you know because just kind of my basic understanding i i maybe dispoed all of three or four properties is that um you know it's just it's just another marketing piece in essence and uh, uh you know there's another management piece so you could i guess theoretically hire somebody to do it full uh, part-time while you're scaling and then kind of grow up from there and 
they're just going to be in and out of the same CRM and they'll just instead of fishing for prospects, they're uh, fishing for buyers and things like that. So uh, it should pretty fit pretty seamlessly and you should be able to hire somebody to do that part-time and, and yeah. manage that pretty well. Yeah. And, and really what, what came to mind while you were talking about that was, you know, in the beginning, when you bring somebody that you've never hired before a position you've never hired before, there's a lot of like unknowns. There's, there's a lot of, you know, uncertainty about all that. How is this going to go? How is this, what's this going to work like? But after you get through that initial hire and you find out some of the pieces that maybe you missed, and it sounds like you're already setting things up because you're getting help from people that have been through it, setting things up in a way to where it's like, I've got your, your command center kind of built out, you know, processes and, and a system in place. You're just going to come in and, and, and operate this thing. And, you know, if you don't, if you've just got some, some chair, come sit in this chair and do this job without that system, without the machine, without all of that. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of unknowns and scary stuff, but, but it sounds like you're getting things put together to make it pretty seamless or pretty uh, easy to, to fit into and start really making a difference in your company pretty quick. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. 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 So I, you, I've done the way that you've mentioned where I've just, hey, yeah, here, you're hired. <laughs> here you go. Figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> figure it out. Report back to me what you find. Yeah. yeah. It's like so everybody's going to be just like us, right? Be all, you know, we'll figure it out. Yeah. But th then you're playing with other people's stuff and, you know, people are scared to do that a lot of times, right? You're yeah, definitely. going to figure it out for you. All right. I'm going to move into some final questions here. What book are you reading right now or the last book that you've read? Yeah, so don't let this fool you. Um, I don't read that often. Uh, qualify that. I listen to a lot of Audible books, so I'm always on the on the go. And when I finally hit the hey, um, I don't even have the energy to to read a book. If I did, it'd probably be a page, if that. Uh, so I listen to a lot of different Audible podcasts and things like that. Um, but I have a pretty, I think it's extensive. I've probably got 150 titles in my nice. Audible. What's one that stands out or comes to mind first? Uh, Mark Evans, DM, Magician versus the Mule. Um, so I'm not sure if you've... Magician versus what? Uh, magician versus the Mule. And so that correlates to a lot of what we've been talking about. Um, just, you know, are you a magician uh, where you're just orchestrating and making stuff happen, right? And and hiring people to, to do the grunt work and the mule work. And, and I say that with all, all the respect, right? Like, People, there are, there are plenty of people that will do the things that you need to delegate. Uh, so as a magician, you're just orchestrating and, and you know, poof, waving the wand and, and making things happen and, yeah. and uh, kind of orchestrating uh, in the background or sometimes in the, the, the forefront and putting together um, different, um, I don't want to call them mules, <laughs> but... <laughs> you're putting together different uh, pieces uh, to work together for the greater good, um, whatever that may be. In my case, it's uh, scalability and profitability. So uh, that one stands out. It's really good. Um, he just talks about um, knowing your, your, your time worth. Uh, that's something I've heard a lot in the last uh, year or so. You know, people ask me, you know, what, what, uh, what dollar amount do you put on your hourly uh, time rate. It's like, I don't know. I don't put a cap. They're like, dude, you got to put a cap. 
Yeah. I'm not going to cap myself at that. I'm like, okay, we'll work out how much you made last year, do some simple math and, you know, divide that by hourly and that's what you're worth. So if it doesn't fit within those, those confines, then you shouldn't be doing it. Outsource that. Yeah. That's so, that's so easy to come up with that number and, and, you know, think that, do that calculation. But man, I've got such a problem with actually giving it to somebody else for oh, yeah. you know, paying it's, them less. I just even for a five dollar. I mean, I've got so lead management has been one thing that I absolutely hate doing. And I mean, sometimes it takes me hours to go through spreadsheets and you know make sure that they're cleaned up for skip tracing and different things and compiling all of them and sending them off to the dialer, checking lists, stacking all that different stuff. And I just hired somebody maybe five or six months ago to do that and I'm paying the VA, uh, the team member, I'm paying them, uh, I think like $4 and 50 cents an hour. They work part-time and they do all this stuff all day long. Nice. Nice. That's, I mean, yeah, that's crazy. All of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, this stuff used to drive me nuts and it's, again, it's a $4 and 50 cent, uh, task. And, you know, I was doing it myself and it was driving me crazy. It was taking away from my major, IPAs, income producing activities that I should have been doing, but I was doing stuff that, you know, was less than, it was sub $5 an hour. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And if, are the, to the team members in the Philippines, is that your preferred location? Uh, yeah. And then I've got two um, part-time uh, cold callers that are local. They're in the States. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. We've got people on the team in the Philippines and, and on Slack and we communicate, we have our all hands meetings and man, yeah, all part of the team, all great, great people. And I'll say what a lot of times, you know, they, they care more than, than other people on the team. Like it's just, it's like, wow. Yeah. yeah I mean, fantastic. level of loyalty is, it's phenomenal. Like we, so I, um, going back to what I was saying before, I really wanted to start cultivating culture mm -hmm. and things like that. So I just started looking like, cheesy stuff you know sending out questionnaires like just basic stuff like i didn't even know most of the stuff like what's your birthday how many kids do you have you know or do you have any kids are you married and, and just things like that and like, what are your three-year plans you know is there anything i can do to help you to reach your ultimate goal um you know and uh, every single one of them and I, I really believe they did this like because they truly believe it in their hearts we're like i want to be with the company and i want to continue to grow um, into different roles every single one of them answered like that and i was just like man it's just so phenomenal that like, they have such high loyalty and i like it's an honor to be tasked with you know um being that that person that they look to uh for growth and for stability and all these other things and and yeah it's uh they're they're awesome they really are yeah well, it sounds like you're coming definitely from the right place and and i imagine you going really far with this and you know this is yeah it, it's just really awesome you've uh yeah you've impressed me quite a bit in this call and i had wished that with four years into the business like i would be saying all the things that you're saying and actually like executing them because i'm sure some of it i probably did say but wasn't really executing on too much because of all those fears and things that we're avoiding but man it sounds like you're you're really in a good spot and that you're you're set to, to really grow man congrats I appreciate that. Doesn't always feel like it, but definitely yeah. That, yeah, from my perspective, it, it totally looks like it. And uh, you know, when you're in a day to day, it probably it's hard to see it, right? See the forest for the trees. But um, yeah, man, if anybody listening to the podcast wants to get a hold of you for anything, is there a way that uh, anybody can reach out to you? 
Uh, yeah, shameless plug. If you're leveling up, join the Inner Circle Elite. <laughs> or if you want to level up, maybe you've done a few transactions. Um, I'm a newbie there, and I'm already learning a ton. Um, outside of that, I mean, you can just reach out to me on Facebook. I'm not on social media a whole lot, but if you send me a message, I'll you know, do my best to try to get back to you. Cool. Yeah. And uh, how do they find you on Facebook? Uh, just the, uh, I guess you can just search for, um, I don't know, what is it like? I got to give them the URL. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I can, I can put a link to it, but I mean, okay. you know, how is your, your name is spelled T-O-B-Y. Yeah. T-O-B-Y I-M-A on Facebook. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, because I'm looking at it in here, and it's slightly okay. different, but it's just because okay, it's gotcha. in Zoom, so I was like, make sure people can. But yeah, thank you so much for sharing everything on the show, yeah, and, and really enjoyed on. talking with you. Yeah, definitely. All right, man, keep in touch, and we'll set up a, a demo. We'll get some yeah, time. I'd love to see that. Cool. Take care. All right, that was a fantastic episode with Toby. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did interviewing him. It's really cool how he's talking about the KPIs and having VAs put leads in and you know being that the show this whole braver podcast is basically uh being able to to exist because of the efforts of the software company that i have and the software that we've built for real estate professionals uh, real estate investors and you know we have kpis built in to real-time track your kpis for you this is a big lifesaver for our business and uh, it's helped out a lot of people to, to be able to measure the numbers because it does it as you keep track of all your data inside of your CRM. So it's just a, a no-brainer, as well as call scripts that you can get. You can create and customize call scripts and then put that link, send that link to a VA, and they have access to that call script to be able to uh, you know, go down that call script, ask the questions they need to ask in the way that you want them asked, and then having the data filled out right there on that call script that's going to populate into your Forefront CRM account. It's very cool. Check it out. If you haven't yet, go to ForefrontCRM.com, ForefrontCRM.com, and uh, click the button to book a demo. We'd love to show you the power of this great system at ForefrontCRM.com. Everybody have a great week. We'll see you next week.